Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. I've had a few people remark to me just this week that seems this seems like sort of a quiet holiday weekend to head into, at least for movies. Yeah. And I have to agree. Haven't really heard a lot. I've seen a few ads out there for some of the new movies, but not really a big advertising blitz. But there's some good stuff to talk about. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of Marcus Crosswoods Theater. With their 70-foot-wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and also those Dream Lounger recliners. Well, speaking of screens, the first movie we'll talk about is the latest to use a lot of computer screens on the movie screen. It's a story of a man finding out his 15-year-old daughter is missing, and he breaks into her laptop to look for clues to find her. It's called Searching. Hey, Dad. Hey, sweetheart. Where are you? Study group. I'm gonna go home night. Oh, one more thing. I want to know Dad. about the final you took today. 911, what's your emergency? I'm calling to report a missing person. Okay, who is this regarding? My daughter. I'm the detective assigned to your daughter's case. I need to know how everything unfolded. Understood. I think we're gonna go late, like, all night. One, after a study session, Margot didn't return home. Margot Kim, school has her marked as absent today. Two, she didn't attend school on Friday. My daughter is in a lesson with you right now. Margot canceled her classes six months ago. And three, she's been transferring funds for the last six months. And how great is John Cho? He really is. He's great in this movie. And really the whole cast is is solid but it's it's another for me it was another positive sign that after so many years filmmakers are catching up with really what they want to say about how technology and specifically social media have become entrenched in our lives have changed the way we do almost everything yes in this case including you know finding missing persons yeah i mean we just saw one that had a different take on it just a few weeks ago with 8th Grade. Which is going to be one of the best movies I've seen this yeah, year. Yeah, but it was one of the many things that made that movie great was how it dealt with... you know, How authentically, how, how realistically yeah. it dealt with yeah. it. Absolutely. Well, so now this takes it in a totally different, totally different uh, sidetrack, I guess. And it's the latest movie to use the... You know, you'd call it a gimmick, but as a friend of ours said, all movies are gimmicks. Right. Uh, but uh, the gimmick of having the movie play out pretty much in real time... On the screen. On the screen, and the different screens of these different platforms. Right. Whether it's going to be Tumblr or Facebook or Twitter. Whatever it is that the dad, played by John Cho, is looking at. Right. So, and and it's a big screen, so very often he's got multiple things open at once. So there's, you know, there's a YouTube clip over one spot, and then over here he's looking at somebody's Tumblr, and then over here he's looking at. You know somebody's Facebook, and yeah. and uh, and it is because it helps him. You can he clicks back and forth, he drags things around, and a lot of clues show up in that way. Yeah, they do. It's it's a lot to you know try to keep your eye on because you're right. So many things are flooding the screen at once, but you can pick up a few things if you really search around and find out what he's looking at, or maybe what's on the peripheral uh, sometimes of the computer screen or whatever platform he's looking at. But it's it's a director and co-writer Anish Chiganti who really just has done shorts, I think, mm-hmm. up to now. Mm-hmm. But it's a really assured feature debut. I mean, he knows what he wants to say. And I was actually impressed with the narrative momentum of yeah. this movie. I mean, especially, I really loved the, I guess you call it an intro montage yeah. that they use. It takes about just a few minutes. But mm-hmm. what it does, it, it, it shows you 
this family, the Kim family, uh, David Kim, played by John Cho, and then his wife and his daughter, Margot, as she, as Margot grew up, and mm-hmm. you, you, you see, not only do you see the aging of social media and technology that, of course, many people in the audience will remember and, and think about their own lives, but also it's a great way to bond you with this family. Do you know what it reminded me of? What? Up. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, the, the opening of Up. Which obviously very different because it's there's no social media, there's no media at all. But it without telling you anything, without saying anything, mm-hmm. just through images, it it hooks you and and makes you love these characters. Yeah, but that was the beautiful thing about it that it served double duty that way because it, it did do that. Mm-hmm. But then it also reminded you, yeah, remember back when it looked like this and right. we had to do this on yep. social media, yep. and it really gets you up to speed on the story and the family mm-hmm. you know, and the setting without saying a word. So I really like that. And it set the, the the pace of the movie, which is pretty, you know, it's not breakneck, but it moves. It does move. It moves, mm-hmm. because, which is perfect, because as he realizes that his daughter has gone missing, and then the detective on the case, Detective Vic, played by Deborah Messing, by yeah, the way. Yeah, playing against type and doing a great job. Really understated. Really against type, especially if, you know, all you've seen her in are sitcoms. Right. You know, really against type, very effective. And she's very, you know, to business, mm-hmm. down to business. Mm-hmm. And she knows what to do. And you have to scour her social media and find out who she's been associating with, what might be going on. So as he does that, we find out along with him that Margot had some secrets mm. that might lead to, you know, where she is or what happens. So, and, and that pace, obviously, she's missing. They want to find her. Right. There's, There's not an a mo- urgency, exactly, yeah. that I think uh, sometimes there, a film will set something like this up and then you just don't buy it because the characters are not moving with that sense of urgency, but that never happens. We here. just saw that in um, the one with Gabrielle Union. Uh, breaking in. Breaking in. Yeah. You, that was one of your main points yeah, about was. the movie. Yeah. It was. It's the whole film is a race against the clock because the police are going to trip the whatever, but blah, first, blah, blah. But first, let me make a sandwich. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, honestly, I think he might make a sandwich. So this uh, it's very believable. And, and, and again, if you, I just want to go back to John Cho because he doesn't interact with anyone else really in person, right? I mean, it's just John Cho and his computer screen and the camera. So it's, you know, he's alone. Yeah. And and uh, that's a lot to ask somebody to convey uh, the gravity of the situation he's in and the discoveries that he's making and the, the frustration and horror that he's facing. And he does, he does it flawlessly. He really does. Uh, as you, you know, you do feel like you're getting these realizations along with him. Right. And his reactions do seem very authentic, very believable. And, you know, it it shouldn't go without saying that it's nice that this is based in an Asian family. Right. You know, with, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Because they're a typical American family. Right. And uh, so that that's, that's very nice to see the diversity on screen. But let's go back to the clues. There was a couple, and I was proud of myself because I caught a couple big ones that you didn't. <laughs> you I know, don't remember that. Uh, it's not, <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's not that you, you can't, Go to the bathroom for one second. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. No, but I, I mean, wouldn't. Not in this uh, one. Yeah, it's it's not a case where if you miss these couple things, it'll it'll wreck the movie. It won't. But they are there for you if you maybe look around and 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 catch some things. But it certainly doesn't spoil it if you don't. For me though, the couple of a couple of little uh, nits to pick. Um, well, there's one thing that I don't know if it's a nit or not. I found it very, as much as the device of all the screens was very organic and very believable, well-constructed. Sure. It, it contrasted a lot with the authenticity of the TV news coverage. Yeah, that's, that's something that, yeah, that, that, really that 
jumped, jumped out, out to, me. to you. Yes, it seemed like what newscast is this? Some college, you know. But but is that his nod to the fact that the directors, the directors nod to the fact that old media is out of step. Could be. You know, yeah, the more be. the more I thought about it, everything else was so mm-hmm. buttoned up mm-hmm. that this news coverage. Yeah, including not just uh, a YouTube clip, right, that somebody filmed on their phone and then posted to YouTube, but all of the responses, yeah. the comments, most of which you don't even see. Right. I mean, you but see if that you take all the, the time if to you look. do. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very telling. No, I, I'm with you. It was incredibly believable. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that maybe after thinking about it, I'm, I'm I think that maybe his his intent was to just show the difference that, look. This is where we're going. This is what we're leaving behind, mm-hmm. this type of old media. So, But then I did think at least one plot twist. There are some twists here. Yeah. It takes you on some it's turns. It's very twisty. It's very twisty. Yeah. You think you're going one play, and you think, oh, so that's what happened. Oh, no, it's not what happened. A couple of that. well, at least one of those I thought was a bit of a stretch. Uh, just, just a bit of a stretch. Not that it, again, wrecked anything, but I thought, okay, it, it, didn't, it didn't feel as authentic to me. It felt a little manufactured, uh, this one particular plot twist which we won't mention no but and then the ending well no go ahead so i so the the two big things for me in this film the one that i thought was very very impressive is the way and i think it's it's a it's a very natural way to feel when your child hits adolescence suddenly you think to yourself i don't even know this person and this movie capitalizes on that and the guilt that you know can come with that and i think it does it really naturally and really really well and then the thing that i think it does poorly is resolve itself because something that is so taught and so well executed by the end you've got a little bit of scooby-doo happening which i didn't care for it now uh the way and that's in the writing the way that the actors deliver the scooby-doo stuff great i mean very in character and very realistically but i just felt like the way that the story had been told up into the end of the third act was spot on, yeah. and I was just disappointed with the delivery of yeah, the conclusion. A little bit, I can see that there is there is a way if you really think about the character that delivers some of that that explanation, mm-hmm. I, you can find a motivation as to why it would happen that way. But still, I'm with you. Yeah, uh, that was a little a little bit too tidy toward mm-hmm. the end. But still, uh, we both enjoyed it and uh, would recommend searching this week. And another good one to talk about next, it's a team of secret agents setting out to track down the Nazi officer who masterminded the Holocaust. This is called Operation Finale. We have our guy, Adolf Eichmann. The architect of the final solution? I would happily put a bullet in between his eyes, but that's not what we're doing here. This is strictly catch and extract. Eichmann will stand trial here in Israel. For the first time in our history, we will judge our executioner. For the sake of the world, do not fail. Start the engine. They'll say my death is justice. That makes my life worth six million people. You lost. We're all animals. For me, the most interesting idea about this movie is getting the chance to see Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley act together. Oh my, and it, it pays off so, so well. That's really the, the heart and soul of the movie. Although there, there are good, there's good things around it. It's a historical drama uh, telling about the, the hunt and the capture and the extradition to trial of Adolf Eichmann, who was really the only one of the, the main figures behind the Holocaust to escape World War II, and mm. he was living under an assumed name in Argentina when he was finally tracked down in the early 1960s. So 
this tells that h- historical drama, and it does it in, in a nice way. You know, the, the director is Chris Weitz. Right. Who, about uh, a boy. About a boy. But he also, he's got a lot of writing credits. He's got a lot of directing credits. Yeah. And we've loved him since Chuck and Buck. Chuck and Buck. Yeah, look it up. Um, but uh, he handles a lot of the elements really well. The shifting locales, the shifting timelines, and the tension of tracking down Eichmann and then trying to get him out of the country. And, and that's going to be very reminiscent for a lot of people of Argo. Right. And, and in fact, in one set piece, very, very reminiscent. But it's still effective. And the actors, yeah, Ben Kingsley plays Eichmann, and uh, Oscar Isaac is Peter Malkin, one of the agents of the Israeli Mossad uh, secret service agency that tracks him down. And his character really st- gets into a psychological kind of mano a mano mm-hmm. with uh, Eichmann. And, um, a match of wits. It's a match of wits, and it's a match of acting that is just so glorious. It's really weird because... Obviously, this film is centered around the Holocaust. There's some just god-awful subject matter, sure. so heavy. But they, it's, it's a joy to watch them. It just is. They're so good as they play off each other. And, you know, it's a cat and mouse. Who's revealing their hand? Who's not? Who's playing the other one for mm-hmm. information to come back later? It's really great to watch them. But the historical drama that, that surrounds it is it's still effective. I think the problems that it has are really centered around the script by uh, Matthew Orton, which is, I believe this is his feature debut script. Mm. And it's funny to say that because there are parts of it that you could just focus in on that are very effective. Some of the dialogue is great, seems very organic, very authentic, and actually funny. There's some funny lines which, again, because this subject matter at times feel a little little bit flippant, a little bit On the other hand, the thing about... People, human beings, are funny. Not yeah, yeah. all of them, I know. but there are funny people, right, and they're right. going to say funny things regardless of the situation e- at times. Exactly right. But it's it's just one of the, the times where, one of the, the things about this movie that feels just sometimes just a little bit off, like it's a little bit superficial. Same way that the, the script treats lessons about the moral ambiguities of war mm. and, you know, um, the casualness sometimes of evil. Mm-hmm. Um those are all well-intentioned, but they just, they, they land a little bit general, mm-hmm. you know, instead of having this film uh, develop its own vision. I think the script falls short a little bit that way, but in the end, it all comes back to these two actors, which are worth the price of admission for this movie alone, especially when they get to share the scenes, just the two of them. I mean, they're masterful. They are. Masterful. You know, and, and Ben Kingsley, obviously, obviously, Ben Kingsley is an absolute uh, genius in terms, but I don't think, I don't think Oscar Isaac gets as much attention and praise as he should, because I think most people maybe only know him from Star Wars, and he's super fun in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's 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 a top range. I mean, he's a brilliant actor with, you know, we were talking about earlier, from Inside Lewin Davis to The Most Violent Year. Uh, listen, ex Machina. Uh, ex, oh, my God, Ex yeah. Machina, shut up. <laughs> he's always he amazing. Is. And he gets a producer's credit here, uh, so he was probably on board first, but... Still, if you're going to cast Ben Kingsley in this role, you know, the actor opposite him in this, oh, in this role, he's got to have the chops. It would just wilt. Oh, yeah. It would wilt. It yes. wouldn't hold yeah. up at all. And uh, he definitely does and makes it worthwhile. It's a great contrasting. It, may, it gives the, the movie a great contrast in, in souls. You know, you've got these two characters that are, that are basically one is the personification of genocide and Mm -hmm. the other is the personification of the exterminator Mm -hmm. and they're face to face and uh, it it really is is moving i mean there are parts of the movie that are not only horrific obviously 
but but moving in the way it plays out. So I did like it. I think it had those couple couple of things that that saved it or that stopped it short of being really extraordinary. But still, uh, for those performances alone and the ensemble the ensemble cast that includes um, Melanie Laurent right. and Haley Lou Richardson mm-hmm. and Nick Kroll. Comedian yeah. Nick Kroll again, who's getting more and more uh, dramatic roles and doing just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ensemble is very good as well. So uh, a lot of reasons to see Operation Finale. We recommend it. Also this week, a film that we've been talking about a few times since we uh, since we saw it last week. After a doctor is called to visit a crumbling manor, strange things begin to occur. It's the film adaptation of the book The Little Stranger. Why don't you tell me what's going on? You wouldn't believe me. Mother, this is Dr. Faraday. How did you find the patient? Little under the weather. It's war shock. Who's the child here? What are you doing here? Susan died before I was born. There's something evil in this house. That's nonsense. Betty, what are you doing here? You rang for me, miss. I did not. Well, Mrs. Ayres was upstairs. Rang itself. Did it? What is all the noise? This is one I've been looking forward to. Um, the the pedigree with this film. So it's it's director Lenny Abrahamson, whose yeah. last film was Room. You loved which, it. Oh my God, I loved I liked Room. I it too, but yeah, you loved it. I loved it. it. Um, and before that, he did Frank, which I also am very, yeah. very fond of. Uh, me too. And then the cast, Donald Gleason, who uh, I love in everything, Charlotte Rampling, yes, please, Will Poulter, who uh, who uh, I just think is is an incredible up and coming talent, and Ruth Wilson. A lot of people may not know Ruth Wilson. She's pretty established in England, mainly in sort of their BBC miniseries. But she's but, a very she's a recognizable face. Yeah, and I've always thought she was very good in everything. So, and it you know from the trailer, it looks like it's an old classic British ghost story. Yeah. So I was all in. Yeah, but. I guess you could say it is, but boy, is it muted. And boy, is it a a period piece that relies on atmospherics and a very, 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 how many times can I say very, slow burn. I mean, this is a movie that will work on some people, and it absolutely will not work on others. Uh, Gleason is great. The whole cast is the great. Whole is, the whole cast. I actually was most impressed with Ruth Wils- Ruth Wilson. Yeah, Will Poulter actually doesn't really get as much to do. No, um, it's it's unfortunate yeah. because he is he is a really really good actor, but I think he's pretty underused in this one. Yeah, and fans of the book will know that really this is a at its core. I think it's the study of the British class system. Absolutely, at a time when social changes are taking place, mm-hmm. making people, making the population maybe not that optimistic about the future. Right. And I think, as in a lot of cases, when you're dealing with a manor, a big mansion, in a lot of movies that use that device, it's going to be a metaphor for something mm-hmm. else, as it is here. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to take that metaphor as something to represent the country and what the country was going through, then it starts to make more sense. But then by the time it brings in the the paranormal, you know, is it paranormal? Yeah. Who's a reliable narrator right. here? Yeah. That comes into play. And that can be done brilliantly, but it is much easier to pull off in a book. Um, right. It's, you know, it, it just is because a book can give you multiple perspectives and it can it just, it can accomplish things that film cannot. And Abramson 
has the it's visually quite stunning. Every every scene is a postcard of of period and of longing and of you know I mean it just the atmosphere he creates is brilliant. And again, as you said. The uh, performances are amazing. Uh, really Charlotte are. Rampling is another one. She doesn't have a lot of screen time, but she owns it, you know. And uh, and there are just a couple of little turns of phrase yeah. where Donald Gleason's character kind of thinks he's got this covered. He's taking care of it in just a really quick three or four words from Charlotte Rampling's mother. And you're like, no, no, yeah. you don't. She's in, she's still in control here. Yeah, because she has that kind of gravitas uh, as an actress to bring to a, a role like that. But yeah, Gleason is great as a man who grew up as a boy. He was on the outside looking in mm-hmm. of money mm-hmm. and society. And he always looked with envy about the people that lived in this house and how lucky he was if he ever got to be around that house or right. in that house. And then he grew up to be a doctor and then got to be close to that family and and had a, a very big draw, a very, very big attachment to that family and that house, which is definitely part of the goings-on. Yeah, absolutely. But you're not quite sure how much. No, you know, one of the things I think is interesting about this film is the way that the empathetic characters are the people who were wealthy and are now f- facing an uncertain future, and the less empathetic characters are the ones who are, you know, um, blue-collar-esque, I mean, if you could call a doctor blue-collar, country doctor, who are still longing for this this time gone by where mm-hmm. they could envy yeah. another class. And I find that interesting because that's not usually the the dynamic that you find in a film like this. It's not usually the rich people who aren't rich anymore that we're, the, as an audience, asked to pity. Um, and again, I think Ruth Wilson is amazing in this. And I also think, as you said, Donald Gleason, he's perfect in this particular character. He's yeah. perfect. He is, and I'm with you. And I, I got the feeling that it probably would or did does make a more effective novel mm-hmm. than a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things to like here, but in the end, it seemed, for, I think for both of us, it just seemed a little bit of a letdown. It's probably going to work on some people more than that. Uh, but if you're if you're really coming into it thinking, ooh, a good ghost story, no. no you're going to be also, let down. You know, and I feel like the, the film's resolution is ambiguous, which very often is strong in a film like this. I think it's less ambiguous than the book, which might leave some some people a little unsatisfied if they love the book. And if you haven't read the book, it's not like it's any... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd actually... It almost confuses things. I'd actually be very curious to talk to someone who, who read the book and liked it and sees the movie and their thoughts on the change of mm-hmm. the ending. Because maybe it's a subtle change, but it could be a big change in how you interpret right. what happens. It is a slow-moving film. It is. And yet, you have to pay attention. Yeah. You know, because it, it does offer some theories throughout as to what's happening in the house and as the resolution of the film. And if you've been, you know, you sort of dozed off or, you know, zoned out, you're just going to be like, well, why? I don't understand. They don't even tell you what's going on. Which I mean, they don't. He does not spell it out, but he does give you opportunities to come to a conclusion. And that's not a bad thing. A director having some, you know, giving credit to the audience. Look, I'm going to, I'm going to come in here on the, Real, on the realization, let's just assume that you are keeping up, and right. I'm going to give you yeah. that credit. Oh, I like that. I do, too. I do like that. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I think for both of us, Little Stranger was a bit of a letdown. And one more in wide release to talk about. Kind of a, a weird movie chased by a vengeful criminal, the feds, and a gang of otherworldly soldiers. A recently released ex-con and his adopted teenage brother were forced to go on the run with a weapon of mysterious origin as their only protection. It's just called Kin. brother just got out of prison. I know I've been away for a long time, but I want to make sure that you know that you're important to me. I want 
you to be careful around him. You know, I owe you guys some money. I just wanted you to know I'm not dodging you. Oh. Let him go. The hell is that thing? What the hell is that? I found it. Somebody's got to be looking for this thing. Dangerous people are coming after us. I know I'm not a good guy, but it's been pretty incredible to be brothers for the first time. I was talking with somebody earlier this morning that was kind of excited about this movie because she said, ooh, a sci-fi kind of a slam bang, shoot him up. And I said, well, maybe if you come in with on the last 15 minutes. Yeah, this is going to be one, you know, if you've seen the trailer uh, and the trailer entices you to see this movie, you are going to be flabbergasted. But uh, it's it's. It is a hard film to describe because really, here's what I think it is. It is a, a road picture, gritty, coming-of-age drama, a tragedy, a tragic story that somebody has repackaged by inserting, uh, you know, uh, an intergalactic ray gun uh, like 10 minutes in, uh, a little more fun with the intergalactic ray gun about 20 minutes later, uh, one shot taken about 20 minutes later, and then a conclusion that feels like a whole different movie just got lost, stopped by, and knocked <laughs> on the door. Yeah, this one is ba- it's based on a short story. So sometimes when you're expanding a short story, so much of it can feel like filler. And this one, they really expanded a lot in one direction and not so much in the yes, other direction. No. And and by the end, it feels like they're probably trying to set up a franchise. Yeah. Like, okay, now we've got this, the, the, the stepping off point for our next movie. But, yeah, it's it's whiplash by the time it gets to that that turn. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit unfortunate because the sci-fi elements of it are very sort of in keeping with adolescent films as we know them, right? That you're special, don't feel like an outsider, we're here for you sort yeah. of a mentality which is which is a bit a bit wholesome a tone for the path the balance of the film takes because the rest of the movie really is about two two brothers who barely know each other an older brother who has kind of put himself in this mentor position and you feel for him because he's he's very charming and likable but he's a bad guy mm-hmm. he's he's a bad guy and what he's basically doing is ruining this nice little boy yeah and then to have it become this sci-fi, oh, you just, I mean. And then there's also. There's, it's like a train wreck. And then there's also the undercurrent of so many of this boy's, you know, problems. Are they being solved by finding a uh, yes, gun? right. Uh, yes, they are. That's a little tone deaf. Yes, they uh, are. Right now. So, yeah, there's there's some problems here, but yet there are some elements strewn about that could have worked. Right. No, I really feel like the. Uh, the core story, the sort of, you know, road trip, underclass, tragedy, cycle of poverty and crime thing, that, that could have worked. It would have been a gut punch of a movie, <laughs> uh, but it could have worked. Uh, but this, the way that they smashed this together, I just could not get over. I was, it was very much like one reel was one movie and the mm-hmm. next reel was a whole other movie with yeah. just the same actors playing different characters. <laughs> Yeah, so it just didn't mesh as well as it should have, or maybe it never could have. Uh, so really can't recommend Ken. And that takes us to the lobby for a snack. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. 
First up in home video release this week, one that I thought was pretty funny called Tag. It's a, based on a true story. A group of guys have been playing the same game of tag for well over 20 years and trying to get together, four of them, to finally tag the fifth who has never, ever, ever been tagged. And it's a great ensemble. It's It's got uh, Jeremy Renner is the one who's never been tagged. Then you've got Ed Helms and Jake Johnson and Hannibal Burris and John Hamm. And it's a great ensemble. They're all very authentic, very funny, great chemistry. And you get Ham and um, and Jeremy Renner and Jake Johnson. They really are able to carve out some actual characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also uh, Isla Fisher, right. who plays uh, a wife who's very competitive, although, although not allowed to play. Uh, and then you've got the other two. You've got Ed Helms and Hannibal Burris, who are basically just playing their personas. Right. But they're funny. Yeah. They're funny personas. So, you know, it's not the greatest comedy in the world, but I think it's well done. And uh, not only some some script comedy, but physical comedy. Everybody is uh, very likable. And I thought it was funny enough to recommend. Also out this week is one called Upgrade. So this is one, and it's like sort of your RoboCop-style thriller, like mid-budget, trashy, fun thriller made by horror filmmakers. So Lee Wanell wrote and directed it, and he's from the Saw franchise. And mm-hmm. from the, It's pretty fun. I mean, it, it's not rocket science, but if you ever wanted to see David Cronenberg direct Knight Rider, this is your movie. <laughs> and who hasn't? And who hasn't? Yeah, I've actually run into a few people uh, that really enjoyed this, mm-hmm. really really thought that they liked the ride it took them on. So, upgrade. Also, American Animals, one that uh, you liked, is out this week on Home I Video. I did. I was a little disappointed in the end because I can't really decide what it is it's doing. But the performances are great. The cast is great. It's about four college students who decide to uh, dress like old people and steal these incredibly expensive first edition books from their Mm -hmm. library. It's a true story, um, and it's pretty fascinating, and it's it's interesting in the way it's told, although in the end it does fall a little bit short. And also out this week uh, for your home video pleasure is A Kid Like Jake, which is a story of a four-year-old boy and his parents coming to terms with the fact that he's transgender. So, a very relevant topic. It is. Um, I think that the story is a, a little bit uh, tritely told. And mm. I feel like it would have been a much stronger story if we got a little more from the child's perspective and less of the squabbling from the parents. Yeah, and it's uh, Claire Danes and Jim Parsons are the parents. And you've got Octavia Spencer and Dowd, who we yeah. love, yeah. is in there. So, definitely some good performances. But, yeah, maybe the, the, the focus is a little skewed yeah. uh, of a topic that this uh, that is this important. Next week, we look forward to, well, we are looking forward to... A horror movie, as we always do. Sometimes we're let down. A lot of times we're let down. Hopefully the nun won't let us down. Oh, I'm so excited <laughs> to see the nun. I know you are because... Um, it screens the same night as the other one, so you know which one you're going to. Exactly. Peppermint. <laughs> is that, I think it's the latest take on Taken because it's the same director. It is the same director as Taken. But this, so Liam Neeson is being played by Jennifer Garner. Yeah, and she really wants to know what's in your wallet. <laughs> And she's going to kick your ass if you don't tell her. So the nun and peppermint are leading the way this uh, next week. So let us know what you thought about the, the movies this week, especially, as I said, if you uh, liked the Little Stranger book and then love to get your take on the, the movie version. But anything you want to chime in on, that's great. Find us on Twitter. Again, it's Mad Wolf on Facebook and Instagram, Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website is madwolf.com. That's M-A-D-D. WOLF.com. Love to hear from you. Until next week, the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. She's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.